0: I do think there's a danger in overmanaging your children's finances that you're not actually teaching them financial literacy. You're just passing on your money trauma. Hi, my name is Alyssa. And my name is Bridget.
1: And you're listening to Money Feels.
0: The podcast where we break down generational financial traumas and help you raise financially savvy children. Yes, that sounds so easy. I think
1: we'll just absolutely (laughs) nail this.
0: (laughs) Did I set the bar too high right out of the gate?
1: How can we do that in an hour? I'm not gonna doubt us. I'm
0: confident. I feel good about it. (laughs) So before we jump in, how does your money feel today, Alyssa? Uh,
1: Actually, I feel really good today. I paid my business taxes yesterday. Good girl. So getting that out of the way is always a good thing. And I came in right under the wire. Like I had to have them paid by December 31st and it is December 29th. So they'll be just getting into CRA's hands
0: by my deadline. I used to be terrified of the CRA, but I've learned the CRA is like pretty chill. And if you pay taxes late, the worst thing they do is they charge you like 1% interest per month.
1: Oh, that's not bad. I didn't know what the interest was.
0: It's really shockingly low. Maybe it's increased now cuz interest rates have gone up, but I remember it's like it was very inconsequential. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I was like willing to pay. It's not that much to pay them online. Like if you have to pay an extra $5 at the end of the day, oh, it's yeah. not that's not a burden considering what I had to pay in total. <laughs> How does your money feel today?
0: Uh really good actually because as you know, I had my little financial overview with Rob, who is the right. fee-only financial advisor we always recommend on our podcast. Constantly. He's Ro- Yeah, <laughs> Rob Engin of Boomer and Echo. And he's also my financial advisor. And I think he's great because we have a similar approach to investing and he understands die with zero. So I feel when you have a financial advisor that's aligned with you that way, it makes things easier. And he did like a full report for me and his projections were the same as my projections. So I was like, yay, I actually nice. know what I'm doing. And then because I've kind of been getting flack from my accountant, it was nice to get a second opinion. And I I think that's what people need to do, because I think we assume that all financial professionals and there's just one way to do finance. So everyone will be in agreement. But now my situation is like my accountant, my financial advisor, and me, who are all financial experts, and <laughs> we all kind of have slightly different approaches. Because at the end of the day, your accountant is just trying to minimize your taxes. That's yeah, the only thing they try to they do. Yeah, they don't
1: really consider any other aspect.
0: Yeah, they don't. And with a financial advisor like Rob, I was explaining like my entire financial picture and some different goals. And so he had a full holistic overview. And so... Uh, he made more adjustments that I think made sense to me, but he also changed some of the things that I was doing, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know I was doing that wrong."
1: <laughs> so, not on topic of the podcast today, but when do you think people should get a financial advisor?
0: That's like one of I, the top
1: questions I I get asked.
0: Yeah, you definitely don't need one all the time, which I think <laughs> is the impression that people have. Like, it is pretty straightforward. To manage your money, even before I started working with Rob, like I wasn't doing anything terrible. Like there's no mistakes he had to come in and fix and be like, this is crazy. Uh, but it's really nice to have a financial advisor when you're in any kind of major life transition. So that's often the point. Like if you are buying a home or you're getting married or you're going on mat leave or you're planning your retirement and things like that, it's nice to sit down with someone to help you make a plan and then at that point you can decide if you want to do annual or even like meetings every two years or something like that but I definitely don't think you need to sit down with someone like quarterly and be like is everything on track because money doesn't really change once you set up your systems you just do what it says
1: yeah I think a lot of people feel like they're tied in and they have to do it constantly but it doesn't it's not that way
0: especially if no. you have a fee-based
1: financial planner like it's just whenever you feel like you need to check in.
0: Yeah, and and the reason really that I sat down with Rob was because my life had changed so much this year cuz I bought my home, that changed like a lot of my financial goals. And the main questions I was asking him is basically like what's the best way to like replenish my accounts after I had taken out so much for my down payment. And yeah, we just went over like the next well, he did everything up until retirement, and I was like, oh, I don't think that far ahead, Rob. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, well, you sent me the picture of the chart he made, and it was beautiful. So,
0: Yeah, you do get a lot of fun charts, so that's pretty. That's Which a I feel like I'm immediately okay.
1: turns anyone on who loves finances. <laughs> They're like, yes, give me the charts, give me the spreadsheets, baby. <laughs> okay, we should probably get back on topic. <laughs> we haven't even started the topic yet.
0: All our topics are money though. So I feel yeah. like it always goes together. And it's it was a good question to ask. We needed the people needed to know. So what are we talking about today?
1: I think today we're gonna chat about the best ways to set your kids up financially so that they are confident with their money and also learning how to manage those conversations as people who maybe have our own money trauma,
0: right? Yeah, because I think I know I get tons of questions about this, and I imagine you do too, because I think as parents, like you want to do the best for your children. And when we live in a capitalist society, money is really at the center of that. So I always get DMs from people that are like, how do I set up my kids financially? How do I teach them about money? Do I give them allowance? Like all those questions.
1: Yeah, I... I remember when I was sitting at my daughter's dance classes, one of the dads, like his kid was like, Well, where does money come from? And I, and he was like, it was, well, it was originally came around for ease of trade. And then capitalists turn it into a game. Wow. And I started like laughing under my breath because I was like, Honestly, that was a great
0: definition. Oh, yeah. That's, I would have just said the Bank of Canada prints money. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been it. But then everyone's always like, can't we just print more money? We we technically can <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, so the first question I feel like would be helpful for people to know is like how you manage money in your household. So that, like, how do you talk about money in your household with your daughter?
0: I, okay, this is actually something I really struggle with <laughs> because... I didn't have a good template growing up. Mm -hmm. And I also think that we have always had so many taboos around talking about money. Like money is often considered an impolite subject to discuss. And I think that even translates to family dynamics where people aren't necessarily that open about their finances. And my daughter, she's only five right now. So I don't know Exactly how much to tell her, but we do talk about money. I don't tell her like how much I have or anything like that. Um, But like she knows what it is. And I am weirdly, because I'm a weirdo, uh, trying to explain like socioeconomic class too when we talk about money. So she does know that like some people have a lot of money and some people don't. She understands that you need money to buy things. And money comes from work, and that's about that's where we've gotten to so far in her first five years.
1: That's basically the same for us. I feel like the earlier you talk about it, the better. Yeah. Um, because like I don't want this conversation to be new when my kids are teenagers. Yes, I feel like it's easier to start little conversations as they come up mm-hmm. rather than just avoid it completely because I did see one statistic set that says that by age seven, many of your kids' money habits are already set based (gasps) on watching. Yeah. Isn't that scary? (laughs) That's so early. (laughs) So I think it's like they can understand that you're spending money if they go grocery shopping with you, if they see you purchasing things online. I think they see those things happening and they may not understand them unless you actually talk to them about money. So yeah, same with us. Like we talk about, obviously I work from home, so she sees me going into my office every single day Mm -hmm. and, you know, having those kinds of conversations. But I don't know. it's, It's a tough one to navigate when they're this young.
0: Yeah, I do teach my daughter, like, when we go out, she knows to, like, tap to pay for things. Often I <laughs> yeah. love her tap to pay at the restaurants. And because I'm such an advocate of, like, big tips, I explain to her that we always, like, leave a large tip for the server. So you're right. I guess the, all those things are being internalized when yeah. they're very young. One of the most awkward questions I ever got, though, is just one day my daughter was like, Mom, are we rich? And I didn't <laughs> I didn't know what to say. That's when
1: you were like, Well, now we have to talk about socioeconomic class here.
0: (laughs) I I honestly just said I'm like, We have less than some, but more than most. And I and she was satisfied with that answer.
1: That's a good answer. I think like for us, the only things we've done like three things that maybe have set the tone for money with my daughter. She turns five in May, so like similar Mm -hmm. age to yours. She has a piggy bank. So anytime that she's gotten money for her birthday. Um, We put it in there. We've taken all of the money out and talked about what each of the coins are and explained that like she can spend them on whatever she wants. Um, And then we've also gotten gift certificates for her birthdays before too. So we've let her go into the stores with the gift certificates and like explained how much is on the card and then let her find items that fit within that budget.
0: Do you feel like your child has more interest in money because your job is around money or does she not really understand what your work is?
1: I think she knows that I write books and she thinks that's oh, okay. cool and <laughs> I don't think she cares that much. She's actually recently noticed that Nick and I do different work. She said that you and Dada <laughs> do different jobs. And so like I was kind of like, yes, everyone has a different job. Um And some people do the same things. But yeah, we have different jobs. I thought it was cool that she pointed that out.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Because my daughter knows I work with money because she's asked me what my job is. And I tell her that I help people with their money. And I feel like whether for better or for worse, she is more interested in money than other five-year-olds. Like She's She's very interested in money and now she has an allowance and she loves getting her allowance. She loves counting her allowance. Giving her an allowance has made her so good at math. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy, like, because she can add and subtract. And now she's like working on multiplication and she knows how to multiply because of money. That like, is so early. I know. I know. It's quite (laughs) horrifying. But because she's five years old, so I give her $5 a week. And she can multiply by fives like really well because she understands like very clearly like this many groups of five equals this much. And she can count by fives now. And so her $5 has really made her excellent at math. Okay, let's talk about allowance then. Okay.
1: You do the rule of thumb, which is like actually what most Canadians do, which is a dollar per week based on their age, right?
0: Yeah, a dollar per year of age every week. So she gets five dollars every week because she's five years old. And I'll increase and I like it because it's so simple. (laughs) Like it's so easy. (laughs) And I did start her on it as soon as she turned five. It was on her fifth birthday. And for her, I felt like she was ready. Again, because she's pretty interested in money because she knows it's it's related to my job and she already Understands that money is really important in the world because it's how you buy things. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she was ready to get an allowance, but I know, like I, I know her friends and stuff, and I'm like, oh yeah, maybe some of these kids wouldn't be ready to get an allowance yet. So I do think it depends a little bit on your child's interest, and I think parents are very eager to like teach their children about money, but I think there would be some worry about pushing it too early.
1: Yeah, I think. Um. actually, I, I'll share the statistics that I saw about allowances because I feel like people just like to know what others are doing. It's helpful to kind of make your own decisions if you're Everyone unsure. wants to know
0: what others are doing. Exactly. That's why our, that's why our podcast works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. So the majority of Canadians don't actually start giving an allowance until the ages of nine to 10. Oh, okay. So you're ahead of the curve. I think we're also going to start at five as well, I think that my daughter's ready too. Mm -hmm. Um, But 48% of Canadians' parents pay their kids an allowance for doing chores
0: specifically. Oh, yeah. I'm Um, against that.
1: (laughs) Right? 21% give an allowance and then they'll give extra money for chores. So an allowance with no strings attached, but if you want to make extra money, you can do more chores around the house.
0: Okay. To more money. I'm more open to that concept, yeah. but I still don't really like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> 17% just give an allowance. So you're in that
0: percentage yeah.
1: group. And then 9% just don't give any money at all. Mm-hmm. And then the most hilarious statistic, which I think you'll love, is that the strongest advocates for using an allowance or a pay-per-chore system were Albertan dads
0: at 78%. <laughs> oh my God. Of course they were because it's the province of hard work equals money.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how do you use your allowance or how do you let your daughter use her allowance?
0: I'm very much like first I give it to her. It's not tied to chores or anything. And I don't want it to ever be tied to chores because I I'm... I don't know. Like I know people so badly want to tie like money is tied to hard work, but I just feel like that's not true. (laughs) That's like capitalist propaganda. So I'm not going (laughs) to teach her that money's tied to work because I'm like, it's fake money. Money doesn't come from hard work. It's some of it's dumb luck. Some of it's just like easy work. So I don't. Sorry, my cats are going. They're literally
1: acting like (laughs) monkeys in a jungle.
0: (laughs) Sorry, listeners. My cats were out of control.
1: I I totally agree. I agree about the tying chores to an allowance because I feel like if you give them money for doing the chores, it's an external motivation, which can be good, but shouldn't doing those chores be internalized like those are things we should just do. We have to do them to keep our house orderly, tidy. Those are part of your life.
0: Yeah, no, that's my rationale as well. I'm like you don't get paid to maintain a home. It's just like those are things you, have you should to do. do it. <laughs> So my daughter, she doesn't have many chores, again, because she's five, but she is expected to, like, keep her room clean and make her bed and things like that. And she does do them, but it's not tied to her allowance. And that's worked out, like, really well, because now she does just do those things. If her room's messy or if her bed's unmade, she'll go uh, put it together just when it looks like that. and. Yeah, I'm going to continue that because I don't ever want her to get to a position when she's like 20 or 25 and living on her own and like all the dishes are piling up and she won't vacuum. She's like, well, I'm not getting paid for it now.
1: <laughs> Mom stopped giving
0: me an allowance. <laughs> She'll probably still get an allowance at 25. <laughs>
1: well, <way. laughs> do you guide the way that she spends her money or what she can do with the allowance or is it completely her decision?
0: It's completely her decision. And I think people are shocked when I say that because there is a temptation to micromanage our children's finance and be like, you have to allocate this much to savings and you have to allocate this much to charitable giving. But I'm like, she's five. She just has to learn how money works. So mm-hmm. that's where we're starting. So she's allowed to do whatever she wants with it. Again, because she has this, she already knows that money is important. She tends to save a lot of it. Because she likes to count it. Right. <laughs> every, every time she gets another $5 bill, she then counts like all her $5 bills and she likes when it gets to a really high number. And we've also gone on enough shopping trips because her two favorite stores are Claire's and Dollarama. Oh. And <laughs> she knows Dollarama, everything is really cheap. You can go there with like one week's allowance and get like two or three things. And Claire's is like ridiculously expensive and overpriced. <laughs> and I'm quite horrible horrified by how much things cost there but she loves them but she knows she has to save up for a few weeks if she wants to go to Claire's. So she does that. Um sh- we've started talking more and she does this a little bit because I'm I always talk a lot about charitable giving and how important it is to give money away when you have a lot of it and I'm transparent with her in the sense like I tell her that I donate I give money to causes that matter to me. She knows I have a scholarship uh, at the university. So she does sometimes, especially when she sees someone that's like unhoused, she'll ask, like, can I give? Him, my money. And I'm like, yes, of course you can. Mm -hmm. If that's how, if that's what you want to do with it, you, you can. And so I have also seen her be like very generous uh, with her money too. And I'm, I feel like I'm just letting her explore those things. Like I think she has to experience giving and spending and saving to kind of get a feel of what those are like rather than me telling her what to do.
1: Yeah. The best lessons are always like actual actions that happen in your life rather than someone telling you what to do.
0: And I'm also of the mindset that like, at the end of the day, my child is her own person and she has her own personality and her way of managing money might end up being wildly different than mine. And I'm okay with that. I'm just going to let it happen. Like, I don't want her to be destitute and always in credit card debt and things like that. But I also don't want to force um, the obsession that I had with money and accumulating wealth and always working so hard to earn more and more. Like, if she's, if that's not her personality, I'm not going to try to impose that on her mm-hmm. because I do think there's a danger in man- over managing your children's finances that you're not actually teaching them financial literacy. You're just passing on your money trauma.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think like w- your allowance can be a tool strictly for money management. Like it doesn't have to be anything else.
0: It's just like,
1: this is money and you decide what you want to do with it based on how you're feeling, based on what you need and what you want.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's the entire point of it. I think parents like overthink it so much and I'm like, just give them money and see what they do with it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, My last question on allowances is, is how do you decide when you spend your money on her and when she spends? Her money on her.
0: Well, right now because she's so small and her allowance is so small, <laughs> um, her her money can't really buy anything. Yeah, so I do all the purchases uh, for her activities and extracurriculars and things like that. And she mostly only spends her money on toys because I'm not a big toy parent. Like I never, I never buy my child toys unless it is a special occasion. Unless it's birthday or Christmas, you're not getting anything from me. And right. so her allowance is primarily what she uses to buy toys. And I really like that because it has relieved that pressure on me. Like when we go to a store and she sees something she wants, I'm like, I'm not getting that for you. But if you want to Wanna come to back save. with your allowance, yeah, we can, we can do that. And that's been really easy for me. And I feel like that's just going to Continue. And that's kind of how I will go about things, even until she's a teen, where I will decide like the basic level of things I will pay for. And then if she wants more, she can find ways to earn money or use her allowance to do it.
1: Yeah. I like that. I feel like those are all good habits to have. We often buy little treats and crafts <laughs> for our kids to do because. home all the time um, and we need to keep ourselves sane. So we've gotten into like the bad habit of surprising them with those things. And now we're having a lot of conversations about like being grateful for the things that we have and the reality that other people don't get these things. Um, and which is not an easy conversation to have with a four year old. So it's
0: so awkward and it just doesn't make sense. To they them. don't really like...
1: understand. So we've been talking a lot about it in the sense of like these are the things we have and we have more things than other people have. So, like, what can we do to give to other people who don't have these things? I'm shifting it into a how can we give instead of take? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's good. I remember my daughter was like mad at me for weeks when she first learned that there was people that don't have homes. Like when she learned um, that there are out unhoused people that are just living outside. And she was like, well, why don't we let them stay at our house? Because (laughs) we have an empty room upstairs and we have the whole basement. And she was like, Staying inside is better than staying outside, and I was like, "Yes," but we can't just let strangers into our house. And she was furious, and I think that's the first time that she really grappled with uh, wealth inequality. The system we live, (laughs) yeah, and how how big the gap is, and how unfair it is. And so she's very cognizant since that happened. I think of like what we have versus others. So I feel like as she grows, I'm hoping she's a socially Minded child, but yeah, that was quite jarring for her when I wouldn't let strangers sleep in our basement.
1: I mean, it was not a bad question. No, she, had, I, she has the right idea in mind.
0: And then, but you can just see, like, the world doesn't make sense to. She was four, I think, at the time of that, because when you're a kid, your your experience you think is the same experience everyone is have, exactly. having. Exactly. And then it was like so jarring for her to realize it's different and then I often don't have good answers because she's like why do we have more money than other people and I'm like oh this
1: is- <laughs> <laughs> do you have an hour and a half
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it would be so easy to be like because I work harder than other people and exactly like, That's not true
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I know we have the weird conversations about the fact that not everyone's parents are home all of the time. <laughs> um. I'm like, some people's mom and dad go to an office, or some people's parents don't um, work at home.
0: Oh, yeah. My daughter has no idea that. I tried to tell her one time, and she basically was like, that's not true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like everything changes almost every single year. Your children become a bit more aware of what's happening. They have more life experience, and it becomes easier to have those conversations not that they're ever easy, but I think they're worthwhile. And I totally believe that a lot of those habits are just built in by seven. Like most things with your kids are built in that early.
0: That, that Every time we say that, I get like a little mini heart attack. <laughs> Do you ever worry about your child being spoiled? Because that's something I hear from people a lot that there's some inherent fear that if you give them too much, give them too much allowance or buy them too many things that they'll be spoiled.
1: I think that can happen. Um, but I don't think it's something I'm necessarily worried about because I know that with life experience comes the understanding that what you have is not what everyone else has.
0: Yeah. I don't even know what the world spoiled beans anymore, because people are like, well, I don't want my child to be spoiled and entitled. But what that is depends so much on your household and values. Because I feel like a lot of what my child has now, I would have considered Spoiled when I was younger, but that's because I grew up like so low income. It was just totally inaccessible to me. Yeah. Things like she's in like two activities and she does, she gets to go on big, vac- big, elaborate vacations and things like that. And I'm like, oh yeah, like so spoiled. But now I'm like, eh, that's just our life.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like I want my kids to have the same life I had. So like I want them to have all of the same experiences and things that I got because I, loved those things.
0: I think that's what I'm struggling with is that my daughter's having a completely different experience than I had. And I don't know what the right amount of anything is and what's the most appropriate financial support. And I'm like swinging on the side of being like way, way more generous than what I previously thought.
1: I don't think it matters what you give your child as much as it matters how you explain why you're giving those things to them and actually have conversations about the way the world works. Because if you're just giving them those things, then yeah, they might be like, well, this is normal. Everyone gets this. I should have this. I want more, (laughs) more, more, more. But if you give them those things and you're still having conversations about what other people experience, then wouldn't they... Mm -hmm at least have the knowledge.
0: Yeah, because so beyond like the early years, do you have an idea of what uh, you'll do for allowance or financial support when your daughter's older, like a teenager and even into her 20s?
1: I think the only things that I'm thinking about is just making sure that they can do the extracurriculars that they'd like to do. Mm -hmm. I think less about stuff. I think kind of like what you're doing once they do receive an allowance, like most of that stuff should be coming from them if they want it. Yeah. I think that kind of eliminates the comparison that most kids have when they start to reach the school (laughs) age that your friends suddenly have cell phones and your friends suddenly have the designer clothing that you want.
0: Okay. But I think I'll have to buy that for my daughter. Like a cell phone is like $1,500.
1: You'd have to buy those things. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, like. Just giving them the option to buy those things sooner if they want them or have more control over those things. Yeah. Is something I want.
0: I also think I'm going to increase her allowance quite a bit because right now, like $5 a week goes pretty far for a five year old. $14 a week is not going to go very far for a 14 year old.
1: Actually, on average, people do continue that rule up until (gasps) 17.
0: Really? Oh, I don't think it's enough. Does that. Oh, I, I don't weird. know.
1: I think it depends. I think if those if those parents are still buying their kids a lot of the things they want and need, then it's probably okay. Like what would most kids, I remember getting an allowance in high school and all I would spend that money on was food at lunches if I wanted yeah. to buy my own food instead of bring one from home. And I would go to the mall maybe once a week, but I couldn't buy anything. It was more just like to hang out at the mall.
0: Oh. Yeah, because see, I was thinking that probably, I shouldn't record this in a podcast because then she'll be able to listen to it and (laughs) hold me to it in the future. But I was honestly like assuming that by the time my daughter was in high school, I would be giving her like $200 a month or $300 a month. Yeah, average is $100
1: a month. So I think like after the rule where you do like a dollar per their age, I feel like that works up until, yeah, maybe when they're in high school when- They might need more money or it's like it's also based on your budget. Like what can you afford to give your kid? Because it doesn't have to be this rule of thumb. If that doesn't work for you or you want to give them more, then why don't you just base it on what you have and what you can afford to give?
0: Also, inflation is like really high. Yeah.
1: Or if you want (laughs) if you want them to be responsible for paying for all of their wants, then you would have to give them more.
0: Do you think you'll continue financial support or an allowance into your child's twenties?
1: I think I just want my kids to be taken care of, and I would do whatever they need.
0: I feel the same. Which again, this is one of the things that I is would that have controversial. Was <laughs> I don't know. Like when I was in my twenties, though, oh my god, when I went to university and I realized other people's university was paid for, I was so angry. <laughs> I was like, "Your parents just paid for this for you." I was so. Mad. I thought everyone was like so spoiled and I struggled so much. And now I'm very much of I'm like, oh yeah, like I'll pay for her university in full. I'll probably like load her Starbucks card for her every month. I'll probably like buy her groceries (laughs) every so often. She can stay on my cell phone plan. I'll buy her car. Like it's so ridiculous now. I
1: had yeah, well, I had all of that privilege. Like my parents did pay for my university and my housing. Um, when I was wow. in post-secondary, mm-hmm. they didn't pay for groceries and stuff like that. But I also was on a sports scholarship, so I had enough money to cover those things.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Um, and so like, I feel like I want my kids to have the same things because it's less stress. Like You've lived that life where you had to pay for oh all my those God. things. and Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, I don't want my kids to have to worry about those things. Is it fair that some kids get that and other kids not? don't know nothing in this system is fair (laughs) I don't know what to do about that individually but like you are doing things like you have your scholarship to help other people who need those things that don't have the financial support yeah okay so we've talked a lot about what we think about allowances and what we might do in the future don't hold us to this especially if our kids are listening to this in 10 years (laughs) um what is the best way to save and invest for your kids? Because a lot of people message us and ask, like, can I open this account? Can I open an RSP for my kid? So what would you suggest?
0: Well, people always message me and they're like, how do I set up a trust? And I'm like, "Uh, is your income like $700,000 a year? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. And I'm like, "Uh, then don't worry about it. Um, Because I think, again, there's this pressure that a lot of people, especially if they feel like they've haven't got their finances sorted out and they're they kind of think it's over for them but they can do better for their kids so they're looking for an option and I apologize to be so underwhelming to everyone but actually the RESP is the best account to save best yes. for your kids like far and away the registered education savings plan is where you should be putting money for your kids if people gift you money for your kids Put it in there, even if it's above the contributions you already made, because you only need to contribute um, $2,500 a year or $36,000 over the lifetime of the RESP to get the full grant. But you can contribute up to $50,000 to the account. That's the lifetime maximum. You just don't get a grant for the additional $14,000. But any extra money that you have to invest should go into that because that's really the only tax sheltered account available to you to save and invest for your kids if you are looking at opening a trust and or doing some other kind of investments. Because I do sometimes see personal finance creators that are like, I created this dividend stock portfolio for my kids, which is totally fine. But you are carrying the tax burden for the entire time yeah. that that account exists. And I think a lot of people are disappointed to learn that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh- just a side note on that for RESPs that is what my friends and I gift each other for our kids on their birthdays is we just transfer each other fifty dollars and then we will put that into their RESPs rather than buying toys and new items
0: oh that's a great idea
1: if anyone is looking for gift ideas for their friends with kids
0: yeah and otherwise like for some people people tell me that they keep getting cash gifts from like family and they're like we've already done their RESP like where do I put this and I'm like people mean so well with cash gifts like they really are trying to be generous but you are just creating a tax burden for the (laughs) parents and so put it in the RESP if you have room otherwise pay for their extracurriculars yeah yeah or, but some people are getting thousands. Like, grandparents sometimes just chuck, like, two grand your way for your oh, kid and man. you're like, uh, thanks. But the other place you can put it is in your own TFSA and your yeah. own RSP. And I yeah. think people don't do that enough.
1: Because you can't. There's nothing to say, like, you're keeping that money all for yourself. First of all, you're raising the child and paying for all of their expenses. So it is going to them indirectly, even if you do put it in your TFSA, and you can gift that to them later in life, and it'll have grown to more than $2,000.
0: Yeah, because that's what I'm planning to do. I'm planning to do large cash gifts to my daughter at like age 30, on or around 30, like if she needs it at 28, whatever, and then again at 40, and I'm taking them out of my TFSA. I'm not saving in a separate account for that because I don't want to pay taxes. Yeah, (laughs) And I also think that reinforces what you mentioned before too, um, because you're prioritizing your own TFSA over your children's RESPs, which everyone should because you cannot set your kids up financially if you're not financially secure. Actually, the best financial gifts you can give to your child is to have your own finances in order.
1: Yes. I know people are always shocked when I say that, but. I've put off the RESP for, well, four years now. Like I'm putting money into it, but it's just a small amount, just like whatever I can. But yeah, Yeah. my retirement account is much more important first because once I do reach the goal that I have for myself, I still have lots of time to save for their education. It will come, it will be okay.
0: (laughs) And also at the end of the day, like your estate ultimately will go to your children. So the money that you have, is there's like now i really think of uh my financial assets as like family financial assets mm-hmm. and so it matters less what account the money is in because at the end of the day it does belong entirely to my daughter and i and there will be different points in life when we access it for different things but it's it's going to be her money ultimately no matter what account i put it in and The TFSA, like, I cannot praise the TFSA enough because it really is like the best account available to Canadians. And so your priority should really be maxing that out for your current and future financial security. And then later when your child is over, you can make the decision like I am to do large cash gifts out of it if it fits in your budget. For
1: new listeners, sorry to cut you off. For new listeners, why is it the best account ever? Like They probably haven't heard your whole spiel on why you should (laughs) prioritize your TFSA.
0: Uh, The reason it's the best account is because it's the only real tax-free account, right? All other accounts are tax-deferred, including the RESP. The RESP actually functions very much like your RRSP uh, in the way that it's structured. But the TFSA is the only one, like you put money in it and then it can grow to any amount. When you take money out, there's no taxes whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And there's just no other situation where you can have a tax-free income. Like just the Think about it. Any other account is taxed. Your working income is taxed. There's no free lunch anywhere else except the TFSA. And of course, before anyone DMs us about that, I understand the caveat is because you've already paid taxes (laughs) on the income. You contribute to your TFSA with after-tax income. But I mean, we buy a lot of things with after-tax income and it usually doesn't come back to us the way the, the TFSA does. And so it really is a powerful account that I think all parents should take advantage of. Like RESPs are good because you get the grant at the end of the day, like the Canada Education Savings Grant is free money too from the government. But there are other risks with the RESP. Like it's possible your child will decide not to go to post-secondary, in which case you'll have to wind down that account and you will pay taxes and a penalty on it. It's also possible that your child will get a scholarship for school and then you might not need the full RESP. And in those cases it would have been better if you had put some of the money in the TFSA. So you kind of have to hedge your bets where it's good to take advantage of the RRSP, but if there is extra, if your parents are gifting you large amounts, if you're just wanting to set your child up better financially, the answer is your own TFSA. And once that's maxed out, your own RRSP. Yes,
1: I love it. Perfect breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so on that note, when people are asking like what accounts they can open for their kids, a lot of people are also wondering, well, if I can't like open a TFSA and an RRSP for their youth child, what can they do?
0: Yeah, so my daughter currently doesn't have a bank account. For when your child is young, some banks do offer like a children's savings account, and it's not till they can they're a little older that you can actually get a checking account. There are some apps coming out. What is that one? I think there's called, one like-
1: called Mydo.
0: Yeah, but I think it's it's, expensive.
1: It's actually run by Royal Bank of Canada. It's a free trial, so if you wanted to test it out, you you can. Um, After the free trial, it's two ninety nine a month. Oh my god! Essentially, it's for the between the ages of six to eighteen, which I feel like is one of the youngest. Like, there's not many youth accounts that you can open at six. That's no, that's very
0: young. Usually, aren't I feel like I didn't get my first bank account till I was like 14.
1: Yeah, and it seems a little bit intense. You ha- you can put chores in and they have to check off that they accomplished a chore to receive money.
0: So like oh it's God. very much the micromanaging. Um,
1: yes, it's a, it seems very micromanage. However, if you are interested in testing it out and seeing if it's a good fit, like the option for a free trial does
0: exist. Um, Some people it love it. A, like, yeah. I have gotten messages from people that are like, no, it's great. And it's worth the cost. I but may
1: yeah. test it out, not at six. That seems very young to be opening that sort of an account and mm-hmm. starting that habit. But I do think maybe I would test it out when she's older as like an option to pay them digitally rather than cash.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cash is super annoying, especially yeah. after a pandemic where everywhere stopped using cash. I like never have cash. And now I always have to go to the bank machine and take out like 25 $5 bills to get me through the next <laughs> like six months. Right. <laughs> so things like that, I feel like it's
1: really important that we talk more about digital banking than having cash. Like, of course, they need to see cash, feel cash, know what mm-hmm. all of those things are, like what coins are and all of that. But how do you transition into digital banking? That might be one of the options.
0: Yeah, I feel like I won't do that until my daughter's in junior high. And then I think it seems more practical to give her a debit card and just e-transfer yeah. her allowance and i think that's also when we're going to start having conversations about saving like more deliberately like social make mm-hmm. sure she has a checking and a savings account and we'll yeah. open that
1: and most canadian banks do have those youth accounts all you need to open them is their sin number and an id which can be like their birth certificate so
0: yeah yeah it's pretty straightforward because I I still remember getting my first debit card and a checkbook from TV. Yeah.
1: I remember getting the little book that you would take to the ATM to get your bank statements printed on it. (laughs) And I loved going to see like where I had spent my money.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. It was so fun. I never tracked anything. I basically only got a bank account because I had gotten my first job and I needed direct deposit
1: and too. i think that i got my first bank account at 12 like my mom took me as
0: oh, soon as i, soon as I could that. open
1: it and so i i always had it. i only had a savings account so i couldn't use like a debit card or anything okay. because it was all just locked away <laughs>
0: Well, um, technology has changed a lot. since then so too, and Our Banking products have changed. Like you used to never tap to pay. No. You no. always had like a pin and I would always forget my pin. I still I barely, my pin.
1: I barely transitioned to tap until like last year. I just like <laughs> was like, it's too easy to spend. And then I also avoided having like Apple Pay on my phone. And now I have it and I'm like, I could never go back.
0: It's so convenient. Oh, I had to take Apple Pay off because that made me overspend. Tap to pay is okay. Because I can't tap if it's more than two hundred and fifty dollars, right? Think. So yeah. that's that slows me down <laughs> on my spending. But yeah, I will do a bank account like checking and savings when she's in junior high, and then start e transferring her money. And this is also like the age people are always DMing me, and they're like, "How do I teach my fourteen year old to invest in the stock market?" Ah, uh, yes. And then that's another way I shock people where I'm like, I'm not going to teach my child investing that early. Like, it's just not a priority to me. Even though I like the stock market, I think investing is the best way to build wealth. But again, I think introducing it too early can actually negatively impact the interest in it. And also, a 14-year-old can't open an investment account. You have to be 18. Right.
1: Right. Well, a lot of people do like the sample investing with their kids where they let them buy a stock in a company of a toy they like. Like I know a lot of people who have been like, you can buy Roblox stock because (laughs) you really love those toys. And then we'll just monitor it over the year and see how it does. And so like there's those examples that you can try, but I totally see what you're saying about like, would they even find that interesting? Is it going to make them think that they only buy... Stocks and what they like, or like, it's yeah, I'm just like, that hard. just
0: teaches stock building, which I will not do. I'll be like, you know what, you just buy some ETFs and we'll call it a day. Yeah. And again, like, I'm waiting to see how my daughter's interests develop. And I honestly don't want her to be too obsessed with money because I know my obsession with money comes from my own money trauma. That if my daughter's hyper focused on money, I'll be like, oh shit, I passed on money trauma. <laughs> it's not that I t- taught like good financial literacy. It's that I hurt her. And yeah, it's, it's more important to me that my daughter has like some practical money management skills and is like set up, but then is interested in whatever she's interested in, which for all I know may be money, but I, I think there's a lot of other things that she might care more about. Yeah,
1: I think. I like that as far as like the financial literacy versus passing down generational trauma. <laughs> yeah. I just really don't want my kids to have any anxiety around money. Whether that be talking about it, spending it, saving it, feeling like they don't have enough, like I just mm-hmm. want them to be able to navigate each of those situations with confidence rather than feeling like they're drowning.
0: And so I I'm asking this in the most tactful way possible, and I don't mean anything by it, but, <laughs> but just because you're such an anxious person and you do track your money so closely, or do you, do they not see that level of involvement that you have? Like, do you worry that your anxiety about money is something you're already teaching them?
1: I don't ever talk about my tracking or oh, okay. like our budget in front of our kids. I talk about earning money and spending money. Um, okay. I haven't talked about like budgeting or anything like that in front of them yet. I think I will, but not in the hyper-vigilant way that I do for myself because I don't want to pass that on. However, the anxiety ship has sailed.
0: My daughter already has
1: major anxiety. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I I think I like overcorrect now because. It was like so traumatic for me to have so little growing up and to be so stressed about money and see my parents stressed about money that whenever my daughter shows like a hint of financial stress, I feel like I double down quite aggressively on it because if there, if something like breaks and she's upset, I'm like, don't worry, we can buy a new one. Mom always has mm. money for a new one. And I like if anything's expensive, I'm like, it doesn't matter. We have enough. And I just like, I'm like, maybe I'm doing this too hard. I think but I we just... do
1: subconsciously like try, like the on the note of people worrying that their kids are gonna be spoiled. I think like I double down on the being grateful for what we have trained. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always like, I'm so grateful for our home. Like I love that we live here and that we can afford this and we have this and i'm now i'm like maybe that's too much but like i do <laughs> How can you want to be too them. grateful well right so i don't know i think we're like we're all just doing the best that we can to navigate our own trauma and i feel like if you're aware enough to know that you have those sorts of money issues then that's probably enough like yeah, it's more so know. when you don't know that you have that money trauma that you will unconsciously pass down those behaviors to your children if you yeah. don't acknowledge them within yourself, that's when it'll happen.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. But Because I don't know, I'm like viscerally aware of it, but I don't know how to correct. But I always tell her, I'm like, mom will always take care of you and you will always have everything you need. And then I'm like, oh, this is That just sounds like the
1: to- most lovely and caring <laughs> thing Aww. you can say to your kid. I don't see how that could ever be negatively taken by your child. Like, don't worry. We'll always be okay. Like that's not a bad thing to hear. Okay. That's what your child needs to hear. That's how you create a secure attachment with your child. I think you're doing great.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Our therapy for today. I needed it. I needed it. It's helpful. Thank you.
1: Okay. I don't think we talked about it, but my other question, this isn't really allowance necessarily, but do you do, has your daughter started losing teeth? Do you do the tooth fairy?
0: We do do the tooth fairy. She's lost two teeth. And so she gets oh, she does. She gets $5 a tooth too. Which oh I my think gosh, is, the rate is so high these days. You know, what? it's just because I have so many $5 bills because I take them out for
1: her. <laughs> you own think house. she'd notice? She'd be like, hmm, weird. My mom gives me <laughs> fives and the tooth fairy does too.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, because I saw some things that were like a tunia tooth and I'm like, I don't have coins. So <laughs>
1: I have endless amounts of coins.
0: Oh, I don't. We do yeah, we do five dollars a tooth, which is kind of um high. And then I don't know where the conversation came up. I again I also try to like uh defend against wealth inequality and all things. And so I told her I'm like, uh the tooth fairy gives some and then sometimes mums and dads give a little bit extra and we rounded up okay. to five because I didn't want it to be weird if like other kids were like, I only get Dollars It's the same with like s- toys from Santa. Like, Santa does pretty boring toys in our household. He does like the stocking and then some like right not very expensive items. And then the big gifts are from me because yeah, I don't, we
1: we are the same. Like, I only give two gifts to each child from Santa and their stockings, yeah. and then the rest of the gifts are from mom and dad.
0: Yeah, because right now it doesn't really matter because she's small. But when they're but, in school, I don't yeah. want
1: her, I don't want other kids to be like, what the hell.
0: Yeah, like, why did Santa give me this big, elaborate gift? Yeah, (laughs) and other kids didn't. So yeah, we do expensive gifts from mom and dad and general cheap gifts from Santa. And same with the tooth fairy. We say, like, the tooth fairy puts in a little bit of money and then mom and dad add a little bit extra. I laughed so,
1: so hard. My niece lost a tooth when they were on vacation in the States and she was, she came home and she's like, auntie, I got $5 American from the tooth fairy. I was like, wow, that's a pretty big exchange rate. You're lucky. Yeah.
0: You're like, that's like $7.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think as long as you feel like you're doing whatever works within your values, I think that's what I'm gonna focus on instead of worrying about all of the little ins and outs. Is like, is this in line with our family values? I don't know if that I sounds corny, but
0: no, I think that makes sense. But I get like, I, I guess I don't really know what my family values are around money because I felt like my childhood family values were so unhealthy.
1: I feel like it sounds like yours is just being secure and making sure your daughter
0: knows that she's secure yeah well again but that's because I felt so insecure insecure. (laughs) we're all just healing our family trauma as we (laughs) as we raise our children
1: I agree I think it's great
0: I mean healing it is better than passing it on so
1: that's what every every generation is healing a little bit more so that the next generation can heal a little bit more and one day we'll all be
0: healed right oh that's so sweet (laughs) I like to believe that's possible (laughs)
1: Is that how we should end today's episode on a positive
0: note? I love it. It's going into the new year. You're going to always say positive things.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Money Feels. You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere you listen and be on the lookout for another episode next week. If you like the show, please leave us a review, subscribe to our Patreon for bonus episodes, and come back each week for more juicy money conversations.
0: Follow us on Instagram at Mixed at money for Alyssa, at Bridgie Casey for me, and at Money Feels Podcast. And we'll see you next time.